Welcome to Low by Lit. On today's episode, I spoke with Rudy Johnson of Misery Tourism. Now, here's the thing. If you know Rudy and you attend Misery Loves Company every Friday at like 7, 8 central, I would listen to this episode. This episode is for you. If you already know him, you're aware of him, and you've read his work, and you've seen him read, you totally. this episode is totally for you. It's like non-structured. It's, there's really no set point of why he's back on, just because he was on before, and I wanted to have a guest back. And so we sort of just like hung out for an hour, and he talks about some new poems that he's working through and like what they mean. And he did something I really liked because one of the poems has the R word in it. Not a big fan of the R word, but if you're going to use the R word, gotta have a point to it. Don't just be using it a hundred times because then it loses its significance of you using it. But if you're going to use it, have a reason. And surprising, pleasantly surprised that Rudy did just that. Because he brought some poems. I didn't know what he was going to bring. But I asked him to bring some poems in. He brings them in. And before he read them, I was reading through them. And I was like, oh, great. He's going to say the R word. But, of course... As he was explaining the poems, I got kind of relieved and excited. I was like, oh, there's a point here. I see what he's going to do. And I loved it. And I loved what he did. And you also see what he does. Now, if you don't know Rudy, here's what I would do. Go to the first podcast that I did with him. Listen to that. I understand that it's like three and a half hours or three hours or maybe two and a half hours. I don't remember. I recorded it back with him back last year and I put it out in February because I never edited an episode that long. But that is one of the most intensive, like crazy interviews I've ever done with anyone. But I put, I put him in like hypothetical situations and wish to push like my, I guess, like it's pretty apparent that we have like, we had like ideologies and I guess, and my questioning, it came up and he stood his ground. I stood mine and I kept bringing mine out. And I would say like, it's one of the craziest interviews I've ever done. I'm glad to have Rudy back on because in Rudy's interviews, in other podcasts, most podcasters, they bring on Will and Rudy who created Misery Tourism. But like, so Will, Will's a very like articulate, like intelligent, just really fucking smart dude. 
and he loves to talk like talking is like his god-given gift it's his talent that's what he was like put on earth to do was like talk in the most like in an like enthusiastic like articulate way about like the really hard smart stuff he's like the opposite he's like the polar opposite of me because i don't speak that well and when they're in an interview, Will will speak because he, he's just really fucking good at it. Like, that's why he's there. And Rudy sometimes gets, like, in the background. Not on purpose, but it just happens. So I like giving Rudy a space that allows him to have the floor to speak. I'm not saying Will does this on purpose. There's like Will likes Will's if you're gonna have on Will, you want Will to talk. You know. But Will and Rudy are two different, completely different people. They are best friends. But they're two different people with two different lives. And if Will wants to come on here, would love to have Will on. But I've had Rudy on. Rudy came back on. And so this, I didn't know what I was going to, I had no planned questions. So I didn't know what Rudy was going to bring on. If I knew what he was going to bring on, would have had probably better questions. But I'm glad what he brought on. And so this is just like a, a hangout. There's an hour of Rudy talking about some poems. If that's your thing, check it out. If it's not, go back, check out the other one. I know it's long. But it's fucking worth it. Like I thought, dude, I thought I was going to get like, I thought I was going to get like exiled from Misery Loves Company. I thought they were going to like kick me out. I thought they were going to like send me to the guillotine. I thought Will was going to go off on me. Okay. Now, Will has never admitted to listening to that interview, but like, I think he did. But Will's not a confrontational guy. He doesn't engage in confrontation. However, I once went to his profile. And on his profile, you know, it's like the part where you put your pronouns. He put null. If you listen to the first interview, it's a very specific thing that Rudy had said his pronouns were. He said his pronouns were null, N-U-L-L. So, like, so Will wouldn't have put that there if he hadn't listened to the interview, which is interesting to me. And I don't think Will admitted to have, having listened to it because if you admit to it, you're going to be, you're going to like, choose a side i mean are there sides to choose i don't know you gotta listen to it but i think that will wants to go off i feel like will would just like start going off on me and i'm too stupid for will will i feel like will would crush me and destroy me and rip me like limb from limb i sort of fear him 
He always wears these like collared polo shirts, and I know if he like took one off, he would just have like a fifty-six pack of abs, just like totally fucking ripped. You know, like Spider-Man. Those fucking superhero movies where the people are like really lanky and skinny, and then after they get their powers, they just get like abs for some fucking reason. You know what was really offensive to me as a woke liberal? It was like the end of one of those superhero movies where like the superhero of DC, he was like still a kid but a grown man. And at the end, there were all these other kids. They're like at a circus or a fair. What is that movie called? Showman or Zune? No, it's not. I forgot what it was called. This guy has a big cape. He's like a red suit. And at the end, they have these other kids that are like disabled. Like blind. They can't walk. And the way they get their superpowers, they become like able-bodied. And they all get like ripped. It's like, what a, what a... As a liberal person, I'm offended that that's the message they're sending to children in a subconscious way. This is what you want to aspire to be. You don't want to be... <laughs> you don't want to be a fucking monster. <laughs> You're going to have superpowers. Your legs are going to work. You're less than because you're in a wheelchair. That's so. It was a bad movie anyways. I feel like the movie is called like Zap Man, but I know that's not the name of it. Those DC movies suck, and so do the Marvel ones. You know what show I like? It's called The Boys. And there's a spinoff uh, called Gen V. And I wholly recommend that. If you have Amazon. Because this woman has superpowers where she gets her period. This is awesome. She gets her period. And like the blood that's coming out of her. She like levitates the blood. She lifts the blood up into the air. And then her mom comes in the bathroom and the mom asks, like, is there anything wrong? And she flips her, the girl like flips her arm towards the mom. The blood flies into the mom's neck, slits the mom's neck. And the mom is dying on the bathroom floor with blood coming out of her neck, being slit from the period blood that like flies into the wall. And then the dad enters the room and like, I forgot what happens. He slips on the blood or something. And then glass like goes through his head because the girl with the period blood screams and shatters glass and it like cuts into his face and he dies. And then the sister like comes into the bathroom. It's a fucking crazy ass show. But I recommend Gen V. You can, like, watch the first, like, three episodes. Dude, there's a little girl on there. Or, no, there's a superhero named, like, the hand, little cricket. It's insane. Because she's, like, this college-aged roommate of the girl that had the period blood. Um, And little cricket has, like, a YouTube show where she's, like, wrestles a hamster. 
And then there's a guy they meet who's a fan of Little Cricket and tries to have sex with Little Cricket. And Little Cricket, like, is this short, blonde-haired girl. But in order to, like, to have her superpowers, which is just, like, you're really small like a cricket, right? She has to vomit. But she doesn't tell anyone this. But the guy who's a fan of her has sex with her. And then asked her to get like tiny. And there's a scene where she's like on his penis. <laughs> and it's like one of those movies like um Honey, I shrunk the kids, but like an adult like porno version. <laughs> Cause this woman's on like this giant penis and holding on to it and stomping on this dude's balls and like high heels. <laughs> There's so many penis shots in that show. So yeah. This is Low Pilot and my name's Tyler. Uh, I guess this is the monologue for this episode. I think you guys will enjoy this one. Again, there's no like structure to it. It's just a simple hangout. If you know Rudy, totally listen to it. If you don't know Rudy, it may not be your thing. Listen to the first one. Come back. Listen to this one. Let it sit with you. Alright, so... Lo-Fi Lit, I'm Tyler. You can listen to our past episodes on Spotify. I'll see you guys later. you back on to look at some of your poetry because it was after i had posted the episode and then someone said like i think of the misery tourism misery loves company that it was like gangster rap and then once someone said that like it clicked in my head i was like oh yeah it totally is fucking true yeah i think that was the other tyler uh, tyler p Ty p yeah he just said, it. yeah it just like clicked with me i'm like oh so then i so i've asked you back on and to Bring your poems, because every week you just come up with poems. And I respect that, because you just, like, every week got new poems out. Do you remember Power Stone? I do. It's a fucking awesome game. I love it. Yeah, I like this this second one. They, like, they made it so much cooler, because you, like, go through levels and shit. There'd be, like, multiple levels you can, like, venture through. Yeah, dude, it, it was one of, it's one of my favorite uh, games. I bet you, I played that about the same time I played Smash Brothers. I yeah. like that one more <laughs> yeah it was so there was so much more you could like do and they had like original like characters mm-hmm. and there was like a little storyline I always liked when they were fighting games and there was like a little tiny storyline to it other than just like random people like fighting for no reason like Mortal Kombat <laughs> yeah. I like I needed just like I needed the most like basic dumb storyline just to like get a story going in my head yeah no definitely I really I really, really adored that game as a kid. And uh, like in the first one, there's a giant guy that looks like a penis. 
Like he was like the boss guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Kraken or something. The, yeah, yep. Yeah. And I remember there, like, there was a character Julia White Pearl that I really uh, liked. Um, mm-hmm. He was he looked really cool. She had an umbrella. Yes. A bunch of and she like had like a yellow dress. Yep, that was her. Yep. She like would float around and shit. It was really fucking wild ass shit. I think they should have made like a movie or TV show based off that, or like at least remake it. Yeah, I, I don't know why they haven't remade any of the Power Stone games. I don't know who owns the licensing or whatever, you know, the the shit, but definitely cool. Do you Is want it hard to make a fighting game? Uh, I think so, yeah. I think it's pretty difficult uh, because you have to not only be able to make all those graphics and all the, like, you know, all the character sprites and all that shit, but you have to be able to do all the timing and the very specific like frame by frame stuff, you know, to, you have to make basically a hitbox detection system so that you can, you know, hit each other and like, you know, mm-hmm. hit in the right place with the right moves. And so it's, it's probably one of the more complicated games to make. Oh, that's cool. I didn't even know that. That makes sense though. But all the animation and shit, like there's no way, like, like for me, like I can't, I, I'm not good at drawing or anything like that. You know I mean, mm-hmm. There used to be this program called um, Mugen, I think it is. Yeah. And it was, uh, you could make your own. It did all the hitbox detection and all that stuff for you, but you would just bring up, you you would just make the sprites for it, basically. And even that is a long and drawn out process. But I wish I could make, I wish I could do that. I'd make some wild ass sprites. (laughs) Basically, the whole point of Mugen was you make any characters that you wanted and you could make it, you could make anybody fight. Are there systems where, engines where they like have the characters already made for you uh yeah i mean there's like so like even in like um like soul caliber you can kind of make characters from like a template sort of like you make custom characters from like yeah template yeah well i mean like there's like unreal engine which is like oh yeah yeah like for computer people yeah they have like, like default characters and little hats and things you can put on the characters and then yeah, no, definitely. They got some models that are like pre-rigged, and you can just like go in there and just play around with it. Well, I mean, yeah. for like making, like, if you want to make like two celebrities or something, make like Kim Jong Il fight like fucking cool. Bill Clinton or something like that. I don't yeah, know, it'd be pretty badass. It's not like a Newgrounds game. Yeah, no, and there's some Newgrounds games that did shit like that. Um, you know, in Flash or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool. Have you made games in Flash? Uh, maybe some really primitive ones because I when I, when Flash when Macromedia Flash was out, I was uh just learning how to do that shit. They still have Flash around? No, it's I think it's deprecated, and I think it was basically replaced by something called HTML5. Oh, okay. uh, which is that's this that's basically like um when I use Construct Three to make games, that's what I, it uses. It's like WebGL and that kind of stuff. I thought HTML was a code. H, H, it is, but HTML5 is some kind of new standard, and it allows all this stuff. Like it allows this thing called like Canvas, which yeah. you can use to do graphics and a lot of graphics processing stuff. So that's what a lot of this shit is based on. I'm pretty sure like Flash as a platform and a thing is like gone because I get mm. I always get when I start up my uh, computer, I get a thing that says you still have Flash on here. Like it's it's supposed to be you're not supposed to have it anymore. <laughs> Are they get mad at you? Yeah, because like they what the fuck. Like, it's like deprecated or whatever so you can't you're not supposed to be using it it's too it's like old and has like security flaws because they no longer update it or whatever so i used to get those notifications like you need to update the new flash 
Yeah. <laughs> Those are so annoying. Dude, that, that's the worst. I, I get it every time I start my computer from uh, Chrome. So when did you start writing these poems? Just like, it was for Misery Loves Company, right? Yeah, so these uh, these ones out of the Game Loop series, and I'll link to the ones I wanted to. I, I didn't... Uh, I didn't put the Power Stone one in this group, but I I can link to ones I wanted to. Because uh, he told me to bring a couple of them, so yeah. Uh, but these here, they're from um, basically just there we go. This I this stupid kick that I had, uh, and it was an idea. I just wanted to take parts of my life and uh, sort of roll them into some stuff to do with games, game like stuff. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and these are ones that I haven't uh, I, I want to get these like put in some kind of collection into a book and basically published mm -hmm. uh, but the, these, this is one I haven't read at Misery Loves Company yet even oh wow so uh, this no. is the first one I've been working on them for a while probably since June or like May how long, have you, how long do you write them and edit them uh, so this one here this took about this took like several hours or whatever to okay. do this one. This is like two different. Yeah, I guess each one of these took like a couple, you know, a few hours or whatever to do. But they're each. Um, so one is like the main one. This one I think you're scrolling through now is like the main one. And the second one there is another version, like a mirror version of this. Oh. And for the mirror version of it, um, basically what I wanted to do with the collection is I wanted to do like one, like a poem and then have like a mom and a dad version of the poem so like mm -hmm. one is like my mom kind of going through and correcting it <laughs> my mom my mother is deceased and uh, so is my dad but um and then i had one with my dad going through and like kind of blacking it out and so this oh. one like two like sort of narratives for the poem i guess or whatever you want to call it so which but, one is your dad and mom going through the red one oh uh, that's that's my mom i don't have the dad one on here yet because i haven't written oh, that one yet i like that idea this oh cool yeah yeah thanks that um this first one is just my the one and basically all what I do is they're kind of like confessional poetry mm -hmm. so I wanted to kind of uh, I wanted to kind of like write stuff about my life and write you know kind of an auto fictiony type of vein uh, mm -hmm. this one is kind of deals with a lot of obsession and like you know obsession with games you want to read it yeah I can read it if you want all right cool <laughs> oh, sorry very good up in here. Um. Yeah, so this one's called the Unholy War. Uh, it's based on a game. I think it's like 1997 or 98. There's this game uh, that was. It's basically like an arena fighter, kind of like Power Stone a little bit. Yeah. And uh, but it also has strategy game elements. If you've ever heard of Archon or any of those games, where it's basically like chess boxing, where you play a match with chess pieces, and then when they hit each other, they fight in this like live action kind of more like kind of like an action game sort of mode unholy war is based on that game archon uh, so this is called the unholy war uh let's see uh oops i'm kind of lagging out here doo, doo, doo. there it goes okay so the unholy war a world war can be one i want you to believe and in my house circa 2000 and 2002 i was the master of war mastered the marshalling of both technos and arcane whiz at the hexagonal grids that made up the strategic battle environment totally fucking rock you any matchup any character even kill cycle 
with not even a thought of suicide. Okay, well, maybe a thought as dad and mom bullhorn school assignments in college marks closer, in college admissions, rejections burn like draft cards, conscript for me the son's daughters and question marks of Zara, pressing them into the service of avoiding quadratic equations. The war calculus is eternally in my favor. Are you fucking retarded? Dude, I will totally infantilize you, break you, and these one versus one battles of high strategy that always go to the ground medieval as those archons of ancient Athens and just as ready to seduce teenage boys. Catamites unable to sit down, dig this ambrosiac mix of chess and 3D fighting game, chess boxing without the chance of getting physically beaten by a big black buck. CRT lighting up my bedroom, and here CRT means cathode ray tube, not critical race theory. Theory of a dead man, me. You are obsessed with video games, and your socialization is strongly linked to them. Wholesome strength I told to eat me, drink you to death, daddy. Agonizing over my failure to launch with the hope that all that alcohol will ignite some rocket somewhere, somehow furthering the exploration of space. While spaces I fell, hex by hex, with the soldiers of World War Me. Hmm. Huh. Gonna read the next one. Uh, I I can read that one. Uh, sure. That's this is the uh, the mirror version of it. So it's like my mom, kind of helping me correct it. I uh-huh. guess that's that's, that's cool. why the kind of thing I had in my mind. Uh, and these versions are similar. Um. So, but yeah, they have they have some important differences, I guess. Namely, the music, which I guess we could touch on. But okay, so it's called the Unholy War Mirror. Um, losing a whole year in my house, third eye blinded, and in my house, circa two thousand one and two, I was in the background mastering the marshalling of both Technos and Arcane, with the hexagonal grids that made up this virtual battle environment. Total victory, any matchup, any character, even kill cycle, with not even a thought of suicide. Okay, well, maybe a thought as dad and mom instilled the value of good education and college marks closer and college admissions, rejections, burn like draft cards, conscript for me the sons, daughters, and question marks of Zara, pressing them into the service of avoiding math tutor sections, but war calculus is eternally in my favor. Are you kidding me? Dude, I will totally infantilize you, break you in these one versus one battles of high strategy that always go to the ground, medieval as those archons of ancient Athens, and just as ready to lead astray teenage boys. Philosophers on their last legs dig this ambrosiac mix of chess and 3D fighting game, chess boxing without the chance of getting clocked so bad they see stars, light bright in the corner of my bedroom, unused, Raised from its arrays, not shining. Tragically, tragically hip, me. 38 years old, never kissed a girl. No sister or jail time for an excuse. Excuse the mess, mom. I'm agonizing over the future math. I'm moving to visions that don't exist with the hope that this gaming obsession lights a fire elsewhere in my life, somehow contracting the space, the negative space, while spaces I empty, hex by hex, of forecasted me's ahead by a century. Oh, very good. Cool, thanks. Uh, one of the things I know you wanted to talk about was the musical choices, I guess, or, whatever, or yeah. the references. 
Uh, but like, so the first one, like, starts out with like a Bob Dylan thing, you know, masteries of war, a, a world war can be won. I want you to believe, or you want me to believe that's like the Bob Dylan lyric on, it, you know, pretty much standard anti-war song. Mm-hmm. Um, but here it's like kind of put into the service of like talking about the game basically, which is this strategy game where these two alien species are sort of at war or whatever, you know, the typical like sci-fi fantasy type of sci-fi versus fantasy kind of shit. And um, I like the thing with your mom like censoring it. Yeah, so you notice that, like, yeah, so yeah. I mean, that one is very much like censor, like no swear words. Um, yeah, I love that. No, and I love uh, that. Like you're like interacting with your parents still through yeah, writing. Yeah, that's that very was, creative. Cool. Yeah, thanks. That that was that was one thing I wanted to do is sort of because a lot of these poems anyway are about like my parents or my relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Um or my relationship with myself and them or how, you know, whatever. So it's, the, do you see a war between, is that a sort of war with you and your parents? Somewhat. Yeah. But I think this one mostly is kind of about like an internal battle for like motivation or like, you know, getting any sort of spark is at that time in my life, you know, and still now, you know, I struggle with motivation, you know, and I struggle with that with just like the why of things and the, you know, who gives a shit of things yeah. type deal so that's like one thing and like video games at that point were the way that i kind of turned that off or you know found some kind of purpose you know and then there's it. also the game because it's with the cards is there any significance to the choice of cards because there's a the cards before the poem yeah so the cards um basically like i want to make this into a thing like with a deck of cards like where each poem is kind of represented by like a thing in the deck so like oh, that's awesome there's a like you know like how the decks have face cards like the jack and the cards mean different things so like diamond suit like kind of has a meaning of like a broad meaning of like skill like games of skill or like um a lot of the diamonds themed ones are kind of themed around political shit or like maybe so you know socio-political issues kind of like issue type poems you know, you mentioned world war and like um a lot of them deal with war or uh shit like that you know world worldly type of issue so and there's also cool. the card game war yeah uh, yeah war. exactly yep yeah really smart that. right there yeah, that that's a that's a wild game i i, know, I remember yeah. there, was, there was an rpg that i played a um i didn't make it uh, this other uh person i know designed it and uh me and uh william had play tested it it's called uh cold soldier uh, it's a it, it's an old old TTRPG, and basically the mechanic was war. You flip over, you know, different cards that tell us the story of the narrative and stuff. So it was oh, that's cool. cool. Yeah, it was a cool game, but it's kind of this isn't like the this is basically just a collection of poems. Like it's not really a game, but uh, I kind of wanted to theme the poems around this card thing because it is you know the the title of the collection would be Game Loop, uh, so it's kind of playing on that like you know you have a five of hearts but you also have five of diamonds you have a five of spades five of uh clubs so they're all they all have different things but they all you know they loop in in the way a deck loops you know Mm -hmm. i guess sort of you know you can shuffle a deck you can reshuffle it that kind of thing so i wanted something that communicated that with uh you know whatever would you title it something that is associated with war though the collection or uh yeah 
Is like would more of the poems be about war or is just this no these two poems? It's just these two. Uh, mostly, okay, all right. Uh, the diamond suit is kind of like I said broadly like worldly issues and like stuff like that. There's a lot that mention like the war in Ukraine, like kind of playfully. So maybe on the title of the book or the cover, you could have like a a card that's like folded in half. Oh yeah, I kind of like that idea. Looping back on itself, yeah. Looping, yeah, like kind of like a card eating, like eating itself. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a cool idea. Yeah, I wasn't sure what to do with like that, but I haven't like shop. I'm I'm kind of like gonna shop it around to certain places and just see you know who who wants to take it basically. Can like will start the publishing thing of Mr. Schwarzman for your book. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't want to comment for uh, for William, but um, I feel like if any book, it would be yours, right? I mean, it, it'd probably be one. I don't know. It'd be one of our, but or one of our our buddies. You know, I mean, we try, to, but I I don't want to. I don't want to cast aspersions as far as the. You know how has he um, said anything towards that? Uh, you know, he has, he has a podcast. Um, and he talks. He's been talking to people on about it. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure what in his heart of hearts what uh, you know, he's thinking about doing currently. But um, it's, you know, I mean, I think it's kind of up in the air. So it's not really. It's not something that is uh moving forward yet so i think you'd make lots of money selling your book <laughs> you know I, I i was just looking around because I, i'm not really sure what i want to do with it yet i'm just kind of feeling it out like i said i'm still writing a lot of these like i'm i'm done all the main ones but um the parent poems are ones i'm still working through so but yeah like i said there's a lot of musical stuff in here um you got bob dylan and the one i think that's kind of more important to what the poem's about is the theory of a dead man <laughs> which yeah. is, uh, you know, that one, like, the name of the song is at the end of the poem, World War Me, which is a song that's kind of about, like, how people suppress or kind of, well, it's basically about him at war with his own, like, isms, you know, pretty yeah. much, for lack of a better term. I, I was trying to think of a better way to say it, but it's, it's like at war with his own kind of devices, you know, there's a lyric in it that's like, you know, I'm punching holes in walls because I let them build up way too much sabotage. It's kind of like about self-sabotage and how, like, you know, your own shit gets in the way of itself. And it's really, I thought it was a cool song. You know, they're known for Bad, Bad Girlfriend. No one, you're like, my girlfriend's a dick magnet, you know, or whatever. <laughs> but this yeah. one that came up on Spotify one time. I heard it. It's actually a really good song and, you know, speaks to a lot of the um, the stuff I think. I struggle with and a lot of shit, you know, it's not like super like deep or like philosophical about it. It's just like, yeah, that's what I struggle with. And that's what kind of, I was trying to get at with these, um, these poems is, uh, you know, not, I, I know a lot of times I tend to like over-reference or try to over, not philosophize, but over like the, the references are too kind of intense or wonky. So I wanted to try to scale a lot of that back. Like, what do you mean by that? I mean, like you know, you know the uh, the Terry um, Terry A. Davis poem. Mm -hmm. I know where there's like code and stuff in the poem. You know, like computer like references to computer code and things like that. A lot of references are kind of obtuse, but I feel like um, you know a lot of these are pretty direct. It's just and it's also very much like confessional. It's just stuff about life. You know, it's not really stuff that references where you know you need to know all the games and all the stuff mention it's so over the over mm -hmm. the span of your writing these poems you found do you think you've improved i think it's gone in a direction that's probably more palatable to most people 
Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that like when you started out, what was your, your goal in just writing, just putting things out? Yeah, pretty much just, you know, talking about how I feel, um, but you know, I think this one does it in a way that's not as obtuse and not as hard for other people to get into. And I've been told that by like William and by a couple other people. He said, they told you you were obtuse. No, no. I mean, they, they told me with this one, it's much easier to understand the references particularly were a lot easier to, uh, the process um and some of the other some of my other ones are pretty like out there <laughs> what was the suit in the second one you said with not even a thought of suicide is the first one you think about suicide mm-hmm. could you scroll up or maybe i have to do it oh, okay um i think i have to do it okay is it the one like not even a with not even a thought of suicide? Is that like yeah? That? And then yes. on the beginning one, mm-hmm. I think those two lines are the same in both. So it says any character even kill cycle oh. thought of suicide. So kill cycle is a character from Unholy War, and like his gimmick is that like you can at any time hold down. I think it's like you hold down one of the buttons and he flies up in the air, and then mm-hmm. he comes down on the other on the opponent basically but you have to target it you have to aim it and the yeah. other guy can run away and it switches kind of the camera up so they're on the ground running away and you're trying to hit them and uh so it's it's basically a suicide maneuver but it kills them instantly or does heavy damage if he succeeds so that's like that, a sabotage sab- pretty much yeah. yeah yeah it's and it's a really powerful move but it's like and all but that's kind of contrasted with my own thoughts at that time you know of like you know hey i want to hang myself because i have to go to math class or whatever you know so oh my yeah i like that you censored the r word in the second one you you like that or you said yeah i like that you censored it oh yeah yeah are you kidding me <laughs> yeah yeah you do you want to read the power stone one sure yeah i can i can pull that one up are there any like obtuse references in this one in this one I would say not some. I mean, maybe the in the second one, like the tragically hip song, like the thirty-eight years old, never kissed a girl. I don't know. I mean, a lot of people know tragically hip, though. I don't think that one's so obtuse. But, but uh, even like when you do obtuse references, I think it's it depends on the reader whether they pick it up or not. Because the readers, I don't think the reader has to pick up on everything. It's just whether it matters to them or not. That's true, yeah. I mean, I guess there, you can always like look up some. But that's another thing I was trying consciously to do with this one, is uh, you know, have the have it styled and have it formatted in a way that makes those references easier to find and to look mm-hmm. up if you want to. You know, so if you notice, I don't know if it's that prominent in this one, but like pretty much everything is lowercase in this one. Just the name of the game stuff is capitalized. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to go through and do with all of them. Uh, because I want to make it so that it's really easy to pick out the important parts of the game stuff that's in there. So you can distinguish those because I know a lot of times the references like blend too much together. So it's like, oh, what's a game and what's another form of media or whatever. So and a lot of people know these other forms of media. You know, they know like the tragically hip or they know whatever, but they don't know what unholy war is. So that's why I yeah. capitalize something like kill cycle. So you can look up and then someone can approach it in Google and say, oh, yeah, so that's a character that has a suicide bombing attack or whatever. So, that, so do you that, want like people like looking up things when they read your poems? 
I mean, sure, yeah, if they want to. I mean, if, if you get yeah. something out of it without that, yeah, that's fine. I mean, that's, I think most people do that nowadays. I think a lot of people do because that's what I do when I tend to read through poetry, especially shit from like the 18 whatever, you know, the, yeah. the really, really early poetry, ancient, maybe even poetry. You, have, you basically would have to, um, mm -hmm. unless you're a scholar of it, which I'm not. So, you know, I just, I have a lot of things I look up. I've got Google open or, even when reading like modern, more modern poetry, yeah, I've got a lot of things. Open. What do you read like poetry wise? Um, I, you know, I read a lot of uh, just contemporary shit from Twitter, lit Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, I like uh, a lot of the stuff on like Apocalypse Confidential and, um, you know, that stuff. Um, I don't you know, know them. Like lit mags on fucking Xpad or, you know, yeah. all these, these guys, these magazines. Um, there was one on Hobart I saw that was like, uh, there's a Call of Duty one that was actually it's I think it's called Call of Duty. <laughs> it, oh, was, yeah. it was really really fucking good. Uh, Elizabeth Owens Hobart mag. Okay, it's really cool. really fucking good. If you want, I can read this. Which one was it? It was the um, Power Stone. All right, now are you gonna make a chat book out of the video game poems? Yeah. Awesome. Yep, that's what I. That's that's because the other ones like I'm not really sure what I. I don't know. I'm not sure what I'm gonna do with those other uh, poems. Like say the Terry one or the you could just uh, do like selected poetry. That would be cool. I I don't know. I'm I'm still that's the Power Stone one. You want me to read it? Sure, so, go ahead. Okay, so Power Stone two. My friend Jacob had a basement in his mom and dad's house where we played where we prayed over an older man, a friend of his having problems with his wife, then prayed on each other in Power Stone two, a loud arena fighter in the style of Smash Brothers or the Roman arenas where they used to throw Christians to the lions and throw in some weapons, maybe a couple living power-ups while the crowd screamed out stage change. Now the floor of the arena is shifting to reveal more lions. I closed my eyes while praying and saw the light phosphine saw the game latently. Now the arena is some kind of tomb jars of clay. You can bust as you yell. DC talk was a band on my friend's shirt. He talked decently about grace, animated and standing, as I was proto-standing Julia White Pearl, witnessing her transformation into secret grace. Grace was a secret to me as a 16-year-old know-nothing. I know I deserve to be happy, but the message of love there was obfuscated by noise in my environment, mostly the noise from Dreamcast games like this one, of umbrellas opening and chests bursting, doors being sundered, slapped fully, Noise that could break most parents, most marriages. Noise that could break my mother's heart, even break the enemy. Break their ranks, says harsh noise DJ Garen. Break a Quaker, if one heard. The public universal friend in an androgynous onesie flipping my mom's china cabinet because the noise is just... And that's that one. Oh, that was good. I love that one. Oh, thanks. Like yes. The noise... Just being something off, like otherworldly, like off in the distance. <laughs> yeah, it's like because I remember as a kid, um, these games like they were they were pervasive. You know what I mean? Like the the, yeah. noise, the, the sounds and stuff like that. This was sounds that probably like until the eighties didn't really exist in like a household. <laughs> you go to our yeah. arcade and you hear this shit, but like in the house in a home, you wouldn't it wouldn't sound like fucking like bells and whistles. <laughs> yeah. Especially like the, dream, the Dreamcast would make 
like a big whirring noise. Yeah, no, and it had um, it like the music and stuff too was super loud, like on, on a lot of these games, um, and loud and repetitive in a way. And I remember my uh, my my mom used to always come in and say, you know, turn that down and you know, turn it off. And my dad would just <laughs> he would just kind of be there jamming to it. A lot of these tunes, I think he like me liked a lot of the music from the video games. So he would play too. Yeah, sometimes he. I never played this game with him, but there's mm -hmm. a there's a poem in here called Altered Beast that's about me and my dad playing Altered Beast, um, oh, and it's really kind of a sentimental type of poem. It's one of the only like type like really cinema, heavily sentimental ones in there in the collection, and uh, it's one that's kind of that's special to me. I think because you know like my relationship with my dad um, as a kid and as an adult were. Uh, kind of different, you know, as he grew older and as I grew older, you know, I had, um, you know, he's very, it became a very sentimental kind of close relationship. So, um, mm -hmm. so I, and, you know, he died and, you know, I was very, um, you know, I just, I feel like I didn't really get a chance to express a lot of that. So that's, that's kind of what that one was about. I like the line of umbrellas opening and chest bursting. <laughs> yeah because that could be cool that could be like beautiful and also violent because it could be like chest bursting like the heart or it could be like in a video game oh yeah like, like, a, like hitting someone or... yeah yeah yep i mean i guess like power-ups and that kind of shit are like a theme who's dr tack hmm? it says dc talk was the band on my friend's shirt oh D dc talk was a christian band it was a um so they're they I think they're known like Supernatural is a big single that they know, you know, it's supernatural. And that's actually a, a song that I referenced in another one of my poems too. I think I actually sang the song at Misery Lowe's Company or parts of it because it was in the poem that I had to sing the song. Um what's proto standing Julia White Pearl? Oh, is that the character? That's the character with the umbrella, the uh yeah. Yeah, the one with that flies around and shit. Yeah, she was fucking cool. There's actually another Christian band referenced in here, Jars of Clay, which I never really heard them much. I remember me and my Christian friend, um, as kids, we uh, we listened to them. I remember he had a CD that had all the Christian bands at DC Talk. I think it might have had some early like Reliant K or Five. Was it Five Finger or something or so, not Five Finger Death Punch, but Five Fold something? Some early like proto Christ, proto Reliant K Christian band, and. Uh, Jars of Clay was one of the ones we didn't like. Uh, no. was, I remember hearing it, and we were like, oh, that's kind of fucking lame or whatever. <laughs> and even he, who was a Christian, you know, was like, oh, that's really, that. I don't really like that. <laughs> Did your friends listen to a lot of Christian rock because they were Christian? Oh, there, I had a couple of friends that were really Christian, and uh, they, they brought over, they used to bring over CDs of Christian rock. DC Talk is one that I still now remember, and I think DC Talk is a phenomenal band, even though I'm not a Christian. Yeah, you know, I, think, I love DC Talk. I love some of the power and the. Oh, excuse me. The, uh, I guess just the, that evangelical kind of, like motivation to it. You know that. Yeah. There's, you know, there's, there's yeah. so many Christian radio places down here. When you turn on the radio, it's probably some Christian rock thing. Like, yeah, I never no. know if there's a popular song or if it's a Christian rock song because <laughs> there's so many radio stations, so many Christian stations down here. Oh, yeah. No, it's wild. Like, one of, actually, up here, the uh, the local country station just got, like, subsumed by some Christian rock. 
Oh my! <laughs> so I turn it on one day to listen to fucking expecting like Jason Aldean or you know mm-hmm. some fucking country shit, and then I hear like you know he is the word, he is the light. Yeah. Shit. I'm like holy, <laughs> this has happened like overnight. I guess they they got bought out by whatever you know thing you know, and they just changed like overnight. And it was it was it used to be wild country, and now it's you know. Jesus rocks, you know, not yes. one or whatever. I don't know. Some of those songs rock pretty hard though, and then I'll they be, do. I'll be singing it to him like, oh, this is a Jesus thing, Jesus. Right? No, one song that actually, uh, and this is partially mentioned in one of the poems in this collection, but I mention this song a lot in a lot of my poems. Um, it's called uh, it's called it's by Flyleaf. It's called Cassie. Yeah. And it's uh man, that song is fucking man, that is an amazing song. It's actually about Cassie Bernhall, you know, the um girl who was killed at Columbine. Who? Uh so she was she was killed at Columbine and like the I guess a lot of the mythology around her death is that she was praying and you know, she was saying and or something or not praying, but I guess one of the kids asked her, like one one like Dylan or Eric asked her. You know, do you believe in God? And she said, "Yes." This is what they say about this. You know, I, whether it happened or not, I don't know. But uh-huh. They say, like, you know, she said yes, and they blew her away. That's the whole thing. And so Flyleaf uh-huh. made a song about that mythology or that thing. You know, which it's a great song. It's a powerful fucking song. Yeah. And like you said, I'm not a Christian. I'm not, you know, into that. But I love the song. It's it's and it's not. It's when people say like, "Oh, that's a great." It's you know, it's inspiring. I. For me, it's not that. For me, it's just a really great encapsulation of that school shooting, the feelings around like a school shooting around that period of shit. Yeah, uh, and it's uh, it's almost iconic, really. You know how? How did it get back to them that she said that? I I honestly I don't know. That's a good question. They I'm just not, like made it up. I, I don't know. I <laughs> I I guess there were people there who survived. You know, it was in the library yeah. or whatever. So some people survived, and somebody said, "Yeah, you know, they asked her if she believed in God." She said, "Yes, they killed her." So I mean, that's what. Yeah, but regardless of whether it's true or not, I mean, definitely a like definitely a purely a pure Columbine story. You know what I yeah. mean? Definitely like something that's iconic of that era. And uh, mm. there's actually a couple poems I have in here that are about Columbine and about uh because that that also was the era where they were trying to ban video games and shit because yeah I remember that you know, because of you know, Tipper Gore and Senator mm. Lieberman you know on there every day and, you know my mom was into a lot of that stuff she was you oh, know, really like violent video games didn't like a lot of the you know the I guess trans, you could call it transgressive if you want but you know, there there was a game um. By the woman who designed King's Quest, uh, Roberta Williams. It was called Phantasmagoria, and yeah. it was an adventure game. I remember this game because I wanted to buy it for my birthday, and my dad was with me. And he said, "He said if you buy that game, he said your mom is gonna fucking kill me and probably you." <laughs> and so I wind up getting uh, Hexen, which is another game that's in this collection too. And uh, in the collection, I talk about how like my mom reacted to that one because in the day. You see, it wasn't just like teen or mature or whatever. They used to have these big like indicators on the thing of what exactly was wrong with the game or whatever that made yeah. it get the rating. So they had this big, I remember it was a, like a thermometer looking thing and they had it on the box and it, it, it had like, it went up to three or four and this one was all the way at three and it said blood and gore and big fucking letters on the thing. I got that game home and my mom was like, what, what is this? You know? And she was, you know, she was talking about she arguing with my dad for a while, but eventually he convinced her, you know, that yeah, you know, this, you know, they, you know, kids like violent shit or whatever. You know? Yeah. But eventually it um 
you know, it basically I was able to play it and yeah, it was, you know, a Texan, it was it's a sequel to Heretic, sequel to Doom, you know, so it's one of the more important games of that era. So I'm glad I was able to play it. But did you ever play yeah. Phantasmagoria? I, I actually, my friends had it. My friend, uh, uh, he's called Tim in this one, but he, he had it. His family had it. And I remember playing it. Yeah. Did Will have any of these games? Uh, I don't know that William had a computer at that time. Uh, when did you like meet Will? Mid night. Oh, I met him. I met him uh, before that. So like early um, okay. 90s, I guess. All right. But I don't. I don't know that uh, his family had a computer, uh, or at least not a not a PC. It might have been something else. It might have been like an Apple. So he probably uh, had the really old, the older school games. Probably some of the better ones. <laughs> Honestly, a lot of these games I talk about are like adventure games, which I fucking hate with a passion. Uh, because you hate adventure games. I do. <laughs> Why? Uh, because oh, there's all kinds of reasons. I don't. I really don't want to binge here with all of the bullshit. But basically, a lot of them had like weird puzzles that had educate like edutainment type of elements to them. Like I remember one there was Space Quest four, you had to fucking solve a math problem or something to oh yeah to get through a door or some stupid just stupid hated that shit, man. It was awful. And it, I remember the first thing the first game I had for the PC that my dad brought home because he uh he worked for uh Cornell Cooperative Extension. He would go out and um you know do energy audits or shit like that. He would have to put it on the computer. So he bought this computer and he uh, he brought it home, and from my friend, he got um, from my friend's parents, he got Space Quest Four, which was you know Roger Wilco and the Time Rippers adventure game classic. You know, this is considered like you know one of the high of the highs by Sierra. Sierra. Is it like canonical like PC games? Oh yeah, it's it's in the it's in the the pantheon or the canon if you want to call it whatever. Yeah, but but, but speaking of canons, one of the first things. You know, he told me about this game. I, I asked him, I said, because I'd seen video games before. I hadn't really played anything but Minesweeper where on the computer. Mm-hmm. But I'd never really played Super Mario. I never really played any of that, uh, any of those games. So I, I I knew vaguely about what they were. And I asked, I said, you know, can you get a gun and, like, shoot people in this mm-hmm. or whatever? And he said, he said, well, if you find one, he said, you can. <laughs> <And> then... <laughs> wow. So it's like the character starts like without a weapon. They just start. This isn't a violent game. You know, first of all, it's a puzzle game. It's basically yeah. a, a pixel. They call them pixel hunters because you have to basically find objects and use them in your environment. And like, so he was like, yeah, if you find a gun, like, yeah, you can you probably shoot someone. <laughs> and I spent, I spent the whole like first or second or third or fourth or fifth. I don't know how long I spent looking for a gun in that fucking game. There was no gun in that game. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I remember being just so like, oh God, just so bored by the scenario and by the, the, I just, I mean, the game looked really cool, but it was really just trash. Like it was, all these yeah. adventure games are pretty much the same type of thing. It was like, Hey, you go solve some puzzles and then you get some, you read some text and then, you know, you try to pixel perfect, you know, select this item and then mm-hmm. put it exactly where it goes on this screen, which is basically, you know, a big color photo of something. So I was like, okay, like that's, fucking dumb so you know I, so you've I, never like created one of those games uh i don't think i've really created any adventure no not like the okay. old the old ones i've never i really despise those games when i was growing up we played these like it was like disney storybook games from like the movies they made so it'd be like aladdin or it'd be like hercules and then yeah. you'd, like click on like a character and they would make a little movement and then it would like yep. 
tell exactly what happened in the movie. Yep, that sounds it's how that sounds pretty much like what these were basically. Yeah. You know, I mean I mean a lot none of these were specifically movie tie-ins, but they were really genre type of stuff that dealt with like sci-fi and you know, kind of very cool like environments and very well animated, but not very good. Not yeah. you know, for me, not, not fun, fun yeah. not fun at all, really. So I feel like in the nineties they came up with a lot of like educational like games for kids. And that that's actually a big thing that I touch on in my uh in my you know in game loop because it's like i really hate the concept of edutainment you know the idea of you fucking go to school for eight hours yeah and then you come home and play and then, and then you do your homework first before you yeah. get to play and then you play on the shit and it's some fucking it's homework you know it's more yeah homework. i think that's one of the more profoundly fucking evil things that exists that is um, true and i don't you know i just like games like that it just like math blaster is one of the ones that's in the collection and, uh, you know, I talk about that in a way that basically makes the people who design it sound like war criminals because I think they are. But... <laughs> Did you ever play, like, uh, what's like Mavis something? And it was like Mavis typing. Uh, teaches typing. Yeah. Mavis Beacon, I think, was. The... Yeah, I never played yeah. that, but I heard about it. Yeah, no. Some of those, I mean, they were like, at least that one teaches kind of a useful skill. But like Math Blaster, I mean, I guess you could argue that like math is a useful skill. But like when you're talking about like quadratic equations or like calculus, I think they have them all the way oh, up to calculus or shit God. like that. Yeah, I think they've got math blasters that do that. So I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, <laughs> I don't that know. It's terrible. Yeah, I, I, but I, I just played the really basic ones, but that was bad enough, you know, like do long division on this game or whatever, you know. Just, just so stupid shit. We have about 15 minutes left. What mm -hmm. do you want to read any more poems, like a Columbine poem or? Uh, I can. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you if you want me to, or we can just talk or whatever. I don't. All right, we can it. talk. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. How was the How was the reading at Misery Tourism like on Friday? It was really good. Uh, it was Pigros, uh, Jeff Snyder's uh, Pigros Press, and uh, a lot of the authors. They were oh man, there's so much good shit on there, man. I'll I'll let you watch it though because there there was some there were real performers, real performances. Are there any there. upcoming readings you want to talk about? Uh, not that I know of. I don't know of any, um, you know, any crossover ones on the slate currently. Um, Are you, would, well, you ever, would you guys ever do like themes, like theme nights? That Yeah, I mean, there is Halloween. I think actually, if I'm not wrong, Halloween falls kind of close to Misery Loves Company. So well, I you yeah. could do like a game Mm. readings or you just do haunted about games i don't know will might not be into that yeah i don't i don't know i, I mean we did do the void space uh oh yeah across void space crossover and they they demonstrate a lot of games there that were really cool do you want to share any of the new games you've made uh you know i haven't uh most <laughs> i don't know if you can see this but this is like a chess board um from uh Oh yeah, it's like a chess variant that I made up. Uh, so it's based on you know the movie Dune. Uh, the idea is like you know these guys take a lot of drugs, and then they're able to fold space and fucking fold you know reality basically to get from one place to the next. The idea with this game is basically that you kind of fold the board, unfold it. Wait, do what's things. Dune about? I don't know what Dune is about, and it made me very frustrated because I watched that <laughs> movie and I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Oh, so it's basically it's like royal people in space like for some for some reason in the future like which i i guess you could see like if you think about the way the trajectory of things going today <laughs> but i guess like in the future there's like these space royals 
and uh you know they're from earth i guess but you know they're people who dress and you know act like royals from like the 12th century or whatever mm-hmm. and uh you know they have this planet called dune or arrakis and basically they go there and they mine this fucking weird drug it's it's basically like a i guess it's like you know like heroin or something like that or i don't know yeah. it's it's a it's a drug like a some kind of weird psychedelic drug and it expands your mind and they use that because um their form of space travel they can use people who are high on the drug to transport their ships around to basically like to because you see the future i guess when you're on the drug oh. they use faster than light travel and these people they they put them put them real high again real high on this drug and then they can navigate through the whatever system they have to do faster than light travel. So they navigate through an asteroid field or whatever. So they can move really fast. They call it folding space. And then so basically in the movie is about like this war over this drug pretty much. Like, but like why was it so popular? It's not like everyone knew what this fucking thing was about. About oh why was the movie super? I think basically because of Timothy Chamillionaire or whatever the fuck his name is. Oh. <laughs> really like, but it seemed like everyone had read this book in high school and like I had never I, even heard of it. Yeah, I read I read it in high school. I remember almost nothing about it except it was really long and lots of political intrigue and weird sci-fi political shit. And why um, did like everyone read it? Like how did you I, I find know. out? How did even... you How did you find out about it? The way I know about it is because the first CD-ROM and getting back to games a little bit, the first CD-ROM uh, drive that I had in my computer is this was a two-speed CD-ROM, but it was amazing in the day. Um, it had this. It came with this bundle, and one of the games in it was Dune. It was a strategy oh. game, and so I had heard of it, and I was like, and I didn't even know it was a book or anything at that time. Uh, but then when I got to high school, they said, "Yeah, you got to pick a book to read. It's got to be a thick fucking book. It has to be but thick, basically." Yeah, because I had oh. this teacher who loved her. I she she actually had us read Annie Dillard, who's this weird like oh. I think Christian poet. I I don't know what the fuck, but she asked me to read a bunch of like poetry and stuff most of it i didn't like of course we read all the shitty classics like 1984 and all the dog shit but uh we (laughs) you know so but then they had us pick one for a book report and i picked dune Mm -hmm. and that was the one because i had heard of it i had i said you know they they had us go to the library and i just saw this in the library i was like that's a book (laughs) And, and so i um i read that and that's that's how i know basically the vagaries of it you know that must be how everyone knows about it because they put it in yeah. these like computers that people buy. I mean, that's like, remember well, like, uh, some band, they like forced Apple to like, they had a contract where like Apple uploaded oh, yeah. their song. Was it, it was, like, okay go or was it one of the, I don't remember. It was, was something the, like that. It was like one of those type of bands. Coldplay or, uh, well, it might've been Coldplay. I think you might be right. Yeah. Maybe something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, some was, old guy with glasses and they yes. had to come out and like, Oh, was apologize. it Moby? No, it was, oh, I forget his name. Yeah, no, me. I don't know. I remember a lot, like in the day, like CD-ROM drives used to come, like with some CDs and stuff. You know, so that you know, must be how everyone knows about it. Maybe I, I don't know. I mean, I know it's it was widely popular when it came out in the sixties. It's like nineteen sixty-five or something like that that this movie come out. And David Lynch made a version of it, which I think is the better version of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it's more weird and stupid. <laughs> well, it sounds like a crazy plot. It's it's completely nuts, and I don't I don't really even know how to follow the political shit. But like I know in one of the later books, like the one of the, like the main character Paul, you know, the Timothy Chamillionaire character, he becomes like this like giant worm god or some shit, or maybe his son does some some stupid, just completely just lunacy, just 
I don't know how this was even. I don't. When they get to that movie, I'm I'm waiting for that one because I I want to see how they're gonna film it. <laughs> he turns into a worm. Yeah, well, because he, I I don't know. Like I think it's his son or someone like Leto too. Like becomes like this actual worm because the sandworms are like this entity that's on the planet mm-hmm. and they they attack people who are going after the spice as a drug. You know yeah. that they use. So I mean that that was one thing. Like I I think like the new movie did a really good job depicting this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Except for the costumes, which I think were a little limp dick yeah. um, compared to the David Lynch stuff, uh, which was just wild and crazy. Yeah. And, you know, David Lynch, like, you can't, like, they say, like, the new cast is good and this and that, but you can't be, like, like Sting was in the movie. Fucking oh, Patrick cool. Stewart was in the movie. Just insane level of casting. And I like Timothy uh, to Millionaire, whoever. He was good as Paul Atreides, but I do like the black guy, too, that played, uh, that played the Mentot. So uh, the worms, like, trimmers? Well, they're they're basically like they. I don't know why they attack people who go after the spice. I think it's because there's something like in the spice that attracts this other animal that they eat, like plankton. Oh. I think it's like sand plankton. I don't know if they ever explain that in the movie, but like, so they they basically like they wind up the fremen who are like these dudes on the planet who want to you know who Paul eventually recruits for like this revolution against this other house, the Harkonnens or whatever. Yeah, I guess he. Like winds up being able to ride the worms and do all this shit with the worms that surround oh, nice. the worms, and this it's pretty, pretty intense like level of detail. And this so then is he so turns cool. into one of the worms. I think either him or his son in one of the later books, and this is just what I know from wikiing it. Is I was just curious. I was like, it's I think the book is called God Emperor of Dune, oh. and by that time I think his him either him or his son, like one of these. Um, like some like basically a giant worm creature <laughs> like he's he mm-hmm. like fused with the worm and he's like a he fuses with, with it something like that or is he's like, like his upper body or his like lower body i think it's his lower body and like his head is a human head basically okay. or some some shit like you can go look at the cover on uh wikipedia it's a fucking wild book like some i of think it should be his upper body that is the worm and the lower body is a human <laughs> that, that'd actually be probably be more scary i think yeah. maybe in the book that's what it is maybe this is just on the cover i'm not sure but maybe like earthworm yeah. Earthworm Jim. Earth, yes, Earthworm Jim. Speaking of games, oh God, I love that game so much. I remember, and not to take up too much time, but real quick, the uh, in the second Earthworm Jim game, there's this sequence where this dude, I think it, it's one of the villains called Psycho, mm-hmm. he gets into this this other character's, uh, it's like a puppy, and he gets it, or he get, he's a dog, and he gets into his doghouse and starts throwing his fucking puppies out the dog. Yes, that's like and iconic. He, I remember right. That. That's my and favorite I, level. That that part of that game that I I blame and uh, and hold responsible and also hold in high regard that part of the game for all pretty much all the things that I've done creatively. Yeah, <laughs> He's like, you have like game. giant marshmallow and you're like yeah, and you had to bounce them back before they splat on the ground or whatever. you know that yeah. that was so like that was jarring for me as a like kid. you can't do that now, man. You you can't do that. <laughs> That's not something you can fucking do. But I remember being so impressed by that. I was like, how can they put this in a game? And, like, this was the era, like, Nickelodeon and, like, you know, like, um, Ren and Stimpy and that kind of stuff. It looked like something from that. You know, something that Ren and Stimpy, I remember watching that. And my mom came in when I was watching it. And she turned it off. She said, that's retarded. And she may have said, that's fucking retarded. Oh, my (laughs) God. And she would never swear. She said that. She just looked at it. Just took one look at it. I think it was the one where, you know, the horse where he was like, whoa. 
you know, it, he had a catchphrase or something, and he said something, but the way it's depicted is just so like strange and it's so, so raunchy too. It's raunch like surreal, absurd. Yeah. It's surreal, absurdity, exactly. Yeah, and she just turned it off. She said, "That's retarded." She says, "I don't want you watching that." But no, it was uh so that that, that kind of stuff is what kind of influenced me a lot in my own work, and you know, just these weird like out of the out of the way type of games i know uh earthworm gym was very popular as a kid i remember playing it a lot but i wish they brought that back for like I do a movie too. yeah I, I do too yeah or the movie earthworm gym would be pretty wild yeah, yeah i think but... that was like one of the original things it was like a a video game that they could have turned into something oh, else much more yeah uh, didn't it start out as a video game it was yeah earthworm gym was a video game yeah yeah Yep, and that was uh, I had one for the PC, and I had one for the I had played the other ones on the Genesis and shit. It was really, but it just felt like it was inspired by a TV show. Yeah, it it did. It was very like like cinematic, I guess, sort of like not, not the game, but like the the characters were very like much like Nicktoons based. Yeah, so, yeah, really weird game. Did your mom influence you in any ways? Oh, definitely. Yeah. No. Um, you know, she <laughs> certainly the, uh, the conflicts and stuff we had about games and about that kind of stuff. I know she didn't like D and D and she didn't like a lot of violent shit and that kind of stuff. So yeah, no, I, I definitely credit her with a lot of, a lot of the, uh, the ways I think about stuff like that, because she would always say like, you know, she always give a reason for, you know, why she says, she said, Oh, I don't like that because, you know, X with your, you know, with, with this with your father x with your you know your brother or something like this you always give a reason for it and not it wasn't just like because i told you so you know and those reasons even if i didn't agree with them it was always like something that influenced the way i was thinking it would always and i'd always say oh this is the reason that she you know and i I said i didn't you know i was a kid you know i didn't really respect her you know give a shit about you know but i was always like yeah you know so some somebody you can see the reason when you can see the reason for behavior like it it leaves a bigger impact i think yeah did she ever clash with like your uh, friends that you had oh definitely yeah yeah i mean yeah i mean i i don't want to get into it but i mean i used i remember in high school like we used to do all kinds of stupid shit around the house and my friends would come over and just be hard-headed and uh when um eminem came out in the late nineties, early two thousands. I used to, one of my friends had brought over one of, I think it was Marshall Mathers. LP, <laughs> as yeah. he said, that has the word faggot on it. And that has the word, you know, this and that. And I think he said the N word, he didn't say the N word on there, but he said, he said, you know, I remember that being a real, like, you know, igniting point for a lot of the, yeah, stuff. I probably wouldn't play that in front of like someone's parents. Yeah, no, I mean, that's <laughs> pretty hardcore there. It was pretty, it was pretty crazy in the day. But what do you think of Will and Brandon? I think she thought they were basically cool. Like, I mean, because they didn't really like, and first of all, I would usually go over there to their place, you know, to play D and D, you know, Will's place was like the sanctum of D and D where we went to go. So she was like, and their parents were really cool and like reserved and stuff. So she was like, Oh yeah, they're cool. You know, there's, you know, there's adult supervision there, you know, nobody's going to be shooting each other, killing each other. But so I think she was, she was really cool with them. And, uh, but she didn't like D and D. She didn't like the game at first, at first. Um, She didn't let you play it at first. Oh, she let me play it, but um, I think some of the things that uh, some of the aspects of it she had heard about again on like television, you know, like oh. the, this wasn't the '80s, so it wasn't like the moral panic. But I think she got onto a kick about something that she had heard 
mm-hmm. you know, like from the Christian guys or whatever, you know, who said, you know, this is a game that leads to souls being lost or leads to. Oh, no. really, so then really what lost. like got her over it? Uh, basically, she saw how important it was to me, you know, how I, you know, I'd make little content and stuff for it. I'd make, you know, little, I'd rearrange the game and she saw how much time I spent on it. You know, and she knows I'm a really autistic fucking moron. <laughs> then she was like, yeah, so, you know, yeah, he, it's good for him because, you know, he's getting socialization. You know, he's mm-hmm. out there, you know, doing shit. He's not in the house by himself, at least, you know. And, so you um, will have, like, a basement where you all, like, hung out? Oh, it wasn't a basement. It was in his, uh, basically, the TV room, one of the TV rooms. And we had a big table in there. And I remember it was right okay. next to the bathroom and the garage. And uh, we... uh we used to chill out in there and he he was the DM, the dungeon master. All right. Well, it's been about an hour. I think I'll let you mm-hmm. go here. Cool, man. Thanks for, thanks for coming on again, man. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity to, uh, to talk to you about some of this stuff. And I like your podcast. It's really cool. <laughs> Thank you. I love your, uh, your poems and what you're doing with them. Do you have any plan? Do you have any like date set for when you think the, your book might come out? No, no idea yet. I'm just popping okay. around. So, all right, man. I'll see you. Uh, see you Friday. Cool, man. Yeah. See you later. Take it easy. What I like about Rudy's poetry is that he doesn't come from a place of poetry. Like he has, he didn't go to like school for poetry. He didn't like go to grad school or college, like major in creative writing. No. He really started writing poems every week when Misery Tourism, like the magazine, the big, like, industrial, like, internet website. When it folded in Misery Loves Company, the reading series, so, like, when it kept going, Rudy started writing poetry. I mean, I came in to say this, so I must believe it. I just have to, like, be bold in my opinions. I think he started writing more every week after it folded. Specifically for this series. So the Misery Loves Company thing would keep going. So if no one came in, he would have some poems to read. Because Will is his best friend. And he wants to hang out with Will and do things Will likes. And Will enjoys deconstructing and analyzing his poems. You guys do not understand. You do not comprehend the superpower this man has. Will, like, he can do a fucking cold read in like 0.3 seconds of something that he just saw. He can read a cereal box. He can read a slogan of a billboard three and a half miles away and deconstruct that shit in point zero 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 like seven five nanoseconds and just give it a full fucking he can just spill that fucking tea and then diagnose the tea. And the molecular structure of the tea. And then break it down into atoms. It is magical. Disturbing. 
it is a significant display of power and intellect. When you see this man deconstruct a story for 15 minutes with as much enthusiasm and love as one person can have and or display and he does this every fucking week it is amazing so anyways i think i don't know i think rudy maybe because he's friends with will want to do something will was doing and this is the way that they continue to engage and like will he gets excited for Rudy's poetry. Not like over the top. He doesn't come in like screaming and yelling. Like, oh my God, Rudy's a You know, he's very calm, collected. Very straight laced. His shoes are always tied. He's sort of a Mr. Rogers of despair. He's a depressing Mr. Rogers. A young bit athletic straight laced Mr. Rogers of despair and that's Will for you <laughs> you know like Derek is a lawyer and he wears like a suit and a tie and he goes into a big office with just windows you know those offices where everything is a window even the ceilings and the sky is always blue and the green is always grass I bet he has like some fucking bomb shoes you know that guy has some great shoes little tiny pointy shoes <gasps> I bet Derek has some bomb ass pointy fucking leather shoes all shapes, some like rectangles, some trapezoids. And that's that's all the shapes there are. I bet he has some that have like a little platform on the back heel, but not enough to be like giving you any height. It's just aesthetically appeasing. And I bet he has all shades of brown, all the shades. Every shade of brown for his leather pointy business shoes. Some of those shoes make you look like a badass. I'm just saying. With some fucking khakis. Oh! With a fucking brown belt. Dark shade of brown. Loop that fucking thing. Get those loops in there. You don't want that thing hanging out looks weird it looks unprofessional no self-respecting lawyers that have that belt I don't know if he's a lawyer but he works with them he works along them aside from them a jar a jace a jar of peanut that you cannot open that's the proximity to which he works with lawyers. All right, I'll see you guys later.